1: We want the dynamite from the post recent site you lighting up the fuse Sit back and enjoy the bubbly This we hear from John and Wayne Tate Where we're going, we don't need roads And if the buck stops, here, yeah, this thing might blow Everything you hear are opinions of the show And if you don't like it, go to the Forbes and let them know
0: Welcome everybody to Rewind a Dynamite. My name is Wei Ting and if you're hearing my voice that means I am here by myself and joined by (laughs) Bruce Lord. Bruce welcome back to Rewind a Dynamite. Great reviews from your first appearance on this show. Thank you very much for joining us again.
2: Oh, happy to be doing it again, Wei. Uh, yeah, I mean, it seemed to go okay the first time. I'm sure it can only go downhill from here, but, but we'll see how it goes.
0: Well, um, I'm, I'm at least a little bit more optimistic. I think <laughs> you're, you're great the first time. Uh, I have no doubt you'll be uh, kicking ass this oh, week. Thanks. And maybe even next week, because as many people know, John Pollock uh, announced uh, a, a brief um, sabbatical on Monday. Um, I felt like I was going to have to dance around this for quite some time about well, the reason why he took time off um a lot of people like i have to say like i mean there was some concern but i think for most people they were just like john you deserve this break please go and take it um i'm very pleased to announce tonight that john his wife and max have a brand new addition to the family welcome the evp of post wrestling <laughs> ev pollock to the world uh born today so uh that is the big reason so i'm here to tell you everybody he's not going to be taking much of a break his break he told me will consist of a 48 hour stay in the hospital so uh enjoy that because he's going to be busier than ever managing any wrestling website i guarantee you that so uh best of luck to you but congratulations to the pollux once again
2: yeah absolutely it's it's uh obviously you know a, a more quote proper vacation i'm sure john would appreciate but it's really really uh nice to hear that such you know that he's celebrating such wonderful news and uh, so yeah obviously a well-deserved break from the uh from the grind here at post
0: so we thank of course all of our contributors for joining us uh we got bruce lord tonight he'll be joining us this week and next week on friday we've got john ceno joining us for rewind, rewind a smackdown that will continue to be live for all patrons this weekend for our survivor series post show i've got Mike Murray and. W. H. Park, you know it's a big deal, okay? You know, like, you know, like, you know, um, it's, 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 it, it's, it's like something like the birth of a child that's got to get W. H. Park coming out here to watch main roster WWE. So he'll be joining us on Sunday, and then on Monday, the Godfather Nate Milton will be joining me for Rewind Raw. So uh, that's our schedule coming up. Uh, but in addition to all of those guests, I'm also very pleased to announce that for the start of all of these. Rewind a Raw, rewind a dynamite, rewind a smackdown shows. For our news updates, we have the person who's manning the ship over at postwrestling.com, taking over for Jaunt, uh, very, very uh, you know, uh heavy tasks, uh, trying to keep up with all this wrestling news. We have Andrew Thompson, not only will he be manning the website, he'll be joining us on the show every week uh, for at least, you know, the opening portions of the show, just to give us a bit, bit of a news update. So, Andrew Thompson, if you're there, please unmute yourself and welcome to the show.
1: Yo, Wei Ting and Bruce Lord, How are you doing, fellas? You're good. How you doing, Andrew? I'm doing great, man. No complaints, no complaints. It's good to be joining you, fellas, on Rwinder Dynamite the the the, um, the, the, yes. the best the best pro wrestling podcast out there man i had to, it to second. i gotta gotta Way plug the site gotta plug Bruce. the site man true
0: <laughs> sure yeah but i mean let's not forget the, the wrestling adventure bush being there we go there we go
1: oh yeah oh wait wait i had to, i had to, real quick uh davy had asked me to, to cut a promo on you for the, oh for hey
0: the, wait a second this is a friendly <laughs> conversation this is neutral <laughs> ground i didn't know we were gonna get into uh, a war of words but please okay
1: <laughs> no no see i already cut it i uh sent, sent it to umbrella so you, you everybody's gonna hear it uh on, on the premiere of their up next uh game show tomorrow so that, that's gonna be the premiere of my promo
0: well <laughs> quick plug for our friends at up next tomorrow is their survivor series fantasy draft and i believe that will be live on their youtube correct yep so uh i'm i'm there to defend my crown i was the winner <laughs> at last year's draft Andrew Thompson happened to win the Survivor Series draft only because I wasn't there. So next, <laughs> tomorrow, we shall see who the champion of champions is. So that'll be up at YouTube.com slash up next, where everybody, of course, can also see uh, tonight's uh, NXT review, uh, as well as a watch along for Sunday's Survivor Series, I'm sure, with our friends. Also on Twitch now. So uh, follow oh. up next podcast also on Twitch. But Andrew, you're here to tell us what's going on in the news
1: today. So uh, why don't you kick it off? Let's do it. Let's do it. Firstly, uh, I think, I believe it was on Tuesday, uh, Marty Bell, formerly of the NWA announced that her contract has expired and she is no longer with the company. Uh, They, you know, they recently lost Allison Kaye, Uh, Serena Deeb is now with AEW, but she's the NWA world women's champion. And uh, we all know that it's publicly that that Thunder Rosa, her contract is expiring uh, next year. So it it looks like NWA is like kind of, you know, slowly losing their women's division. Although, uh, their their women's title is constantly being defended on AEW, so you know I was just wondering what you guys kind of think about that, and uh, like mo- most of their women's division, kind of you know stepping away and publicly announcing that they're just stepping away.
2: Yeah, I mean, we way and I were sort of talking about this a couple of weeks ago. The fact that you know, obviously AEW attempting to partner with you know Joshi promotions obviously isn't workable with travel restrictions, uh, and so it does sort of seem that the kind of I imagine the financial problems that the NWA sort of finds itself in are maybe, you know, could end up benefiting um, the AEW women's roster here. I mean, we've already seen Marty showing up uh, in the women's tag team tournament previously. Uh, you know, I, th- I think she'd be a really good fit to AEW if she does want to join up.
0: I think, the you know, like the continued story here to me is just like what the future of the NWA might be, you know, certainly like we have to look at it's the health of nwa even prior to like all this stuff happening there were definitely on like an upward trajectory you know uh like playing around with with like the the occasional pay-per-views but beyond that like what what really was their like source of revenue you know they're they're like Mm -hmm. i think the ultimate hope was to try to get power onto a tv channel but um even that might have been a bit of a you know long shot and certainly you know with the loss of um the you know with the pandemic and also with the loss of David Lagana, I mean it just feels like at least Billy Corgan for the for the meanwhile just perhaps seems to have it seems to be letting go of like you know any sort of ambition of you know maintaining NWA as a full time company.
1: Yeah, i un- un- I agree with both your points. I think NWA is kind of they they're kind of in a in a in a weird kind of limbo right now, but they're still kind of being. I think. AEW is really doing a, a really a really great job of kind of keeping them in like in, in, in within the realm of professional wrestling along uh, along with the United Wrestling Network. So, uh, you know, hopefully they're able to get back on their feet uh, sooner or later. But next up we have uh, Mandy Rose. Her her shoulder injury uh, is legit. Uh, that was not uh, well. It was used as a storyline, but her shoulders uh, really hurt both. Uh, FOW online and PW inside uh, both independently confirmed that her shoulder injury. Uh, what was a legit thing to get her removed from the storyline. And, and it did happen uh, prior to Raw. Uh, and, and it wasn't anything that happened during the match that caused that. So that was why she and uh, Dana Brooke were, were pulled from uh, the Survivor Series team. Dana Brooke is not injured. She is, you know, f- fine just by the looks of everything. But uh, yeah, Mandy Rose's her shoulder is legitimately injured. And, you know, that was the reason she got pulled from Survivor Series. Mm-hmm.
0: Makes a lot of sense. I mean, uh, she didn't get involved in, in the match really at all on Monday. so. Um... Unfortunate. I mean, seems like it to, seems to be a slew of injuries
1: right now. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I I think I believe it was last Friday. Chelsea Green. She also uh she she broke her wrist. I believe that was. So yeah, that's kind of unfortunate. WWE kind of had these back to back injuries like that. Uh, but but also uh Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre's uh the, the third hour raw uh, led to the best hour ratings wise since August. And and I just wanted to kind of get you guys thoughts on that. Like. What, what what is the key to kind of keeping that consistent trajectory for for Monday Night Raw? Because I'm pretty sure you can't you know just throw on a world championship match uh, on, on, on every show. And do, do you guys think that that success as far as as far as this week shows this week shows go is credited to the names of Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, or uh, did it have more to do with people expecting to see a world title change?
2: Well, how far in advance was the uh was the match announced, uh, for, forgive me, I don't remember if it was just announced that day or the day before.
0: Last week, yeah.
2: I mean, I guess if nothing else, that says that there are at least a certain number of, you know, main roster WWE fans who still do hold out hope that you are going to once in a blue moon see the actual legit advertised title match. You know, I believe it was just the week before, uh, way that you and John were talking about how, you know, the expectation in this company in this product is that you are definitely not ever getting a clean finish of any sort of major title match on either raw or smackdown and it's just been you know years and years and years of that being the norm um so i mean the fact that 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 many people tuned in maybe hoping or expecting that they would actually get uh, a proper resolution to that is something else i might sort of have quibbles about you know uh, announcing and putting a title match on tv that quickly but you know, it seems to suggest they're doing something, right? I,
0: I do wonder like how much of the, um, you know, Drew McIntyre appearing on SmackDown and like really heavily teasing that Drew McIntyre Roman mm-hmm. Reigns match might have kind of led to people really buying into like the possibility of a title change happening on Monday. Certainly if you look at like the build on, on SmackDown uh, and also the build throughout the show of just Drew McIntyre really like being the only person talking about the future and Randy Orton indicating i would say like by his words that like his story and his title reign is was gonna end tonight like it gave i i would say most season viewers like a real indication that like a title change could happen um but you know i think regardless like having those two in a title match main eventing raw was probably expected to do a good rating anyway um so i honestly like i just hope raw like is i hope the w w e is not afraid to like give us some substantial result uh from these three-hour tv shows you know like i i I talked about this on monday but i mean we're in a a period where it's it's your tv shows are are more valuable than your Mm pay-per-views so you could spare you know a significant event once in a while significant match once in a while for well either a raw or a smackdown just to kind of keep people you know satisfied with investing three hours because how often do we just get get these like Bullshit teases and and no results coming out of it. So I I hope it's a turn that continues, Andrew.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you, man, hundred uh, percent. And then, and then lastly here for you fellas, uh, well, of course it's uh, in relevancy to what you're going to be talking about tonight. AEW, uh, Matt Sydal has officially signed his all the wrestling contract. Uh, and and you know last week they officially announced that Jay Cargill has signed. Uh, prior to that, we had a. Uh, uh, Anthony Bowens and Max Caster officially getting signed. Kind of want to get you guys thoughts about just the mix of talents that AEW is bringing in. Of course, we got these fresh faces uh, so, such as Anthony Bowens, Matt Caster and Jay Cargill. And then now we have uh, the veteran talent in, in, in Matt Seidel.
2: I mean, I think, you know, uh, way you and John were talking, I believe it was last week about, you know, kind of what Seidel brings to the mix. I just want to say I'm really excited about Bowens and Caster uh, joining up. They've been a real highlight on Dark uh, for the past few weeks. Uh, like Bowen's in particular, his like look in ring, I think has a lot of potential. Uh, I think that you could definitely see uh, the acclaim showing up on Dynamite sooner rather than later.
0: I'm really excited about like Matt Seidel. I mean, you know, I thought he was already signed, to be honest with you. And the <laughs> fact that like he he just announced officially signing this week maybe gives me hope that he's not just going to take some sort of like mid card jobber role and that they've really just been holding him back because he hasn't been a full time guy yet. So now that he is officially signed, perhaps they will have reason to, you know, give him proper storylines and really elevate him higher up in the card. So um, he's absolutely a guy who I think, you know, like still has like a great deal of potential. Maybe not so much um, like, you know, delivering like Eddie Kingston level promos. But I mean, that doesn't mean he is like, you know, he can't, uh, I guess, uh, you know, offer a, a unique character in another way. So uh yeah seems like they and, and Jade Cargill, like from what i've seen of her already like i've I've been really impressed
2: i haven't seen anything of her in ring, but I imagine as we'll sort of talk about later on uh in this episode way I think like her just look and presentation is so cool and striking and different mm-hmm. uh that however they decide to kind of slaughter in, whether it's as a manager as a worker or whatever it is uh you know she really kind of livens things up
0: Andrew, thank you very much for all these stories uh tell us what you've got going on on the website because you have a lot right now up there at
1: postwrestling.com uh, just uh mainly just covering uh the big news of the day uh getting the updates up uh there was an update today about tony khan did he did a bunch of uh he went on one of those media tours so he did a bunch of interviews and you know he just talked about the product and how he kind of you know views aw dark now as a developmental territory and you know, just pointing out specifically guys like Will Hobbs, who he, you know, has earmarked for a big push and, you know, just, you know, just, just basically giving a run around or not necessarily run around, I should say, but like, you know, just giving an update on what he thinks about how the product is progressing and the changes that he's seen uh, over the past, you know, past year or so. And just thinking about how he's learned how to say no to certain ideas instead of just like rolling over and saying yes to everything and he was, you know, he, he was really keen on that. And I know he mentioned that a couple of times on interviews, just. You know, to just kind of uh, keep keep keeping away and you know stand the course, I guess. But uh, and other than that, I got an interview up on the site with uh, Myron Reed, who successfully defended the uh MLW World Middleweight Title on the uh, at, at the uh, the, re- the recent MLW Tables against Brian Pillman Jr. And he called out one Leo Rush after the show, so you should. Uh, so it, it looks like they're heading that direction, and you know, cause I just just to mention this, man. Congratulations to Leo Rush. That dude is all over the place, man. He's MLW GCW. <laughs> He's gonna be on MTV's The Challenge. Leo Rush is gonna be in the Power Ranger movie. Like, dude, dude is like really made like a complete three sixty since he left WWE. Super Jake
2: Cup coming up, yeah. Super Jake,
1: yep. What is he doing in the Power Rangers movie? I, 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 I don't think he like really specified, it, but it, it probably could be like just like a, a cameo appearance, or maybe he's like really like in in the movie. But you know, he he didn't really specify, but he did say he is gonna be in a in a Power Rangers movie.
0: That is amazing. That's to me that's like the <laughs> cooler than like any wrestling yeah. <laughs> project. Um where Hopefully can people not se-
2: party patrol? <laughs> yeah.
0: Where can people see the interview, Andrew?
1: Uh you can see it on you got to catch the written version on postwrestling.com or on my YouTube channel, Andrew Thompson Interviews.
0: Awesome, awesome. And people can follow Andrew Thompson on Twitter, AD Thompson, Thompson with an H underscore Underscore. Do not forget <laughs> that extra underscore that is there for whatever reason. Because AD Thompson underscore has already been taken. Um there we go. So underscore underscore. Don't forget that. Thank
1: you, Andrew, for joining us. And no problem, man. And before I go, uh wait, you, you, you taking this ill tomorrow, my brother.
2: I'm sorry. Hey, what I, sorry. <laughs> forget Hobbs here's the real swerve I just I just
0: promoted the extra underscore extra hard (laughs) now you're like you know trash talking me youtube.com slash up next tomorrow uh you know you're you're going down dude that's all I can say (laughs) all right Andrew talk
1: to you tomorrow uh, Bruce good job man and uh as usual on the the latest appearance and and way you know great job for you as always appreciate the both of y'all man uh good luck on the review
2: tonight thanks Andrew good to talk to you peace
1: Uh,
0: So, uh, Andrew made a a lot of mention of Myron Reed uh, and MLW. Just wanted to also promote John Ceno's MLW Fusion Report, uh, The Restart, MLW's first show in seven months. Uh, And John Ceno has a written report up at postwrestling.com. He will continue to write those for us in the coming weeks. So, uh, we're firing on all cylinders just to try to make up for uh, the absence of one man in John Pollock. So, we're all going to do our best. Uh, But, Bruce... Let's get into, well, first of all, is there anything else here? Um, I mentioned the shows this week. We're not going to do do a draw for a t-shirt this week, but I can tell you a Black Friday sale will be coming very shortly next week, so uh, hold on to that. And uh, any anything you wanted to mention before this edition of Dynamite?
2: Uh, nothing in terms of news off the top of my head. I, we already sort of talked about the fact that uh, Khan's comments regarding the change uh, of Dark away kind of from enhancement and more towards developmental uh i think is really interesting and as somebody who has slogged through every single match uh on dark up until now it's it's it started to really get interesting uh over the past few episodes so a little plug for that uh if you're you know kind of on the fence about dark
0: um like tell me like what what keeps you like you know watching dark like quite frankly i i just like it's difficult for me because i mean i have have a lot to try to catch up with anyway so much so by that by tuesday like it's just daunting for me to like, you know, like
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I,
0: with so many matches.
2: Yeah, no, I get you. I mean, you know, if I was, if I was watching main roster WWE, I certainly would not be, would not be keeping up with this. I guess it's it's been interesting to me to sort of uh, see if you can sort of read the tea leaves regarding uh, who may or may not be making an impression, right? Obviously, as Andrew was saying there, you know, uh, people, folks were really impressed uh, with Hobbs and the acclaimed, uh, and other people, and so there is something kind of, you know, the 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 legitimate, you know, sports baseball fan in me who likes, you know, looking at you know, scouting reports for minor leaguers and things like that. And, oh, is did this person just have a lucky day or are they actually, uh, you know, a serious talent uh, that, that merits, you know, further investigation or being, you know, brought up to the big leagues? Uh, I, I find that sort of process of sort of, you know, sifting through it, uh, kind of looking for those diamonds in the rough uh, to be really interesting. And and now it's sort of shifting over towards a, there's a bit more promo work happening, Uh, Britt Baker had this new, like, kind of, you know, talk show, uh, segment in there. So the fact that they're giving, you know, even some of the unsigned folks a little bit of promo time here and there, uh, to kind of get, you know, get a little bit of seasoning, I think is interesting as well.
0: Seems like it's a place now for people to workshop, not just their in-ring work, but also a a promo segment like that. How was that Britt Baker segment?
2: I got a kick out of it. It was kind of, you know, her being a sort of slightly heelish, like, daytime talk show, you know, Oprah, Ricky Lake-type character, you know, kind of firing off jabs at, uh, you know, various members of the roster, a couple of digs at Trump and whatnot, uh, and then bringing Hybrid 2 on to sort of, uh, you know, allow them to sort of, you know, kind of promo about being overlooked and disrespected, uh, and kind of ended up, you know, presaging their kind of their run-in on uh, tonight's episode of Dynamite.
0: So tonight's Dynamite starts off here. We've got... Top Flight, the team of Darius and Dante Martin taking on the Young Bucks. The Bucks previewed this last week saying that a team messaged them in their DMs. They looked at their reel and gave them a call. Uh, So we actually even had a video package here introducing us to Top Flight. They are 21 and 19 years old, respectively. Um, They grew up watching teams like the Bucks and the Machine Guns. And just the realization that... (sighs) One of these dudes was born in 2001, the other person <laughs> not born that much earlier. Um WrestleMania 17 is older than one of these guys. <laughs> one of these guys was not alive at the same time that ECW was. And now these are like full grown men, like having a match that I'm reviewing right now on TV. So uh just a, another reminder. Um How old are you, Bruce?
2: Uh, I just hit forty a couple of months ago, so yeah, life life comes at you fast uh, when you start hitting the late thirties and whatnot. Uh, yeah, I mean, I you know I teach uh, you know college age students, and so I am consistently having to sort of make that sort of shift and adjustment. Like, oh right, a, a, a non zero number of the students that I am teaching this semester were not alive let alone aware of 9-11 when that happened or, or whatever it might be every year every semester you know you find your own references and, and cultural callbacks that you might make uh, in a classroom environment just beginning to kind of whiff and fly over folks' heads and uh, yeah I, I that's the it's, it's the only game in town you know it doesn't it doesn't stop so
0: yeah well you speak with the wisdom of somebody uh even beyond your your real life age so <laughs> Uh, at least, you know, you've got that going for you that that I certainly don't. But um, we have the Young Bucks here taking on the 21 and 19 year old top flight. They're both wearing BLM armbands worth worth, worth mentioning. Uh, really good shine from those two to start. Excellent tag team acrobatics. A lot of that snappy, you know, flippy offense. Very much in the same style as the Bucks and private party. So these two really couldn't have asked for a better pair of opponents for their first match on TV. A lot of this action, honestly, is like difficult to recap because it's, it's just so fast. I could just say, like, just watch it; it's worth it. Um, in the end, BT Trigger gives the Bucks the win about ten minutes in. So, uh, what did you think of the match, Bruce?
2: Yeah, I think they gave. I mean, the Bucks gave um, Top Flight a lot uh, to work with, and I think they, on the whole, you know, they really hit it. Um, in particular, I was really impressed with. Uh, I think it was Dante's just incredible vertical uh, ability. There was a nutty uh, Topikon Hero that he hit. There was another uh, move that I don't know that I've ever seen before, kind of a rolling diving spin into a top rope Rana uh, that was attempted. It wasn't completely perfectly pulled off, but, you know, with a little bit of polish, I think that move could be fantastic. Um, I think the other thing that was sort of happening here was that we're sort of, you know, seeing the Bucks kind of make that sort of move that we've seen people like you know Hiroshi Tanahashi and John Cena play where When they understand that they are in the ring with a, you know, like a really likable plucky underdog um, or depending on which city they're in, there's that like subtle little heel work, like just very, very minor adjustments made to the in-ring work. Um, You know, and I think the Bucks did a little bit of that drawing upon, you know, some of their old PWG stuff to really, really get uh, Top Flight over as you know the super keen baby faces and and it worked you know you got the crowd uh cheering for them at a couple of points there i like the bucks doing that more than the kind of the crazy over-the-top character stuff outside of the ring super kicking shivani and everything like that playing with their veteran status in ring and allowing them to sort of adjust and modulate working heel versus working face uh in there i think is something that's that's a sort of veteran talent that i was happy to see them uh exhibit here
0: it's it's interesting to see the Bucks, like, you know, very much like them versus Private Party, but like in this case as well, it's like they they are facing a, a younger version of themselves. And it for me, it's like interesting to watch this. It's kind of like, um you know, seeing like Captain America face off against Captain America in Avengers Endgame where like you have, I would say, a more seasoned, even though maybe not as strong, maybe not as wild of a version of himself facing a, like a you know a, a younger more wild version of himself mm-hmm. and and the bucks here i think you know even though acrobatically even though their bodies might not be as strong they are showing i would say great wisdom in how they can um you know tell their stories and you have this continued mac jackson ankle injury that he was mm-hmm. favoring throughout this match um just kind of like you know getting to like i would say like the next level like even if your body doesn't you mentioned tanahashi like you know, there's the perfect exa- example of a yeah. guy <laughs> whose body's not holding up, but, like, his psychology is so strong, and that'll be the traits that'll carry this team, like, well into their, you know, 40s and, and beyond. So, um, I also also thought it was, like, worth mentioning how, like, to me, it's been really striking how AEW continues to make a spectacle out of, like, you know, what you would traditionally consider enhancement matches. Yeah. Like, they often treat these brand-new debuts, most of the time they're not even signed... As like featured acts, whether it be in the TNT title matches against Cody uh, or in this case, like, you know, unsigned talent getting this prime role starting off the show with the video package. So it, it like to me, it really takes advantage of like, you know, first of all, I would say an audience's sort of um, a more sophisticated audience's appreciation for just in-ring quality and for <clears> new <throat> talent. And I think like there are some real life like Rocky stories of these guys being plucked from nowhere being plucked from obscurity from like Twitter, uh, Twitter DMs or Instagram DMs (laughs) onto national TV, being given the biggest opportunity of of their lives right?
2: Yeah, no, definitely. And then when you have, obviously, you know, we're not going to continue to see, you know, Top Flight on Dynamite week in, week out. And I think that, you know, if you had them work, you know, in in a venue like Dark for a while and and get that seasoning in the way that we've seen, um, you know, Private Party and and, or or somebody like Hobbs, right, you know, who shows up in the um, one of the Battle Royals, spends some more time on Dark and now seems to be a full time uh, Dynamite, you know, roster member. You have that cool little first moment to call back to later on as those people's careers progress right you know if five years from now um you know top flight are still with AEW and are maybe champion tag champions or something like that you have this cool little moment right you know that the, the sort of the video package at the beginning was also trying to to put forward of you know three months ago we were working day jobs or whatever it was and then yeah we get this DM back from Matt Jackson and boom all of a sudden we're wrestling our childhood heroes and everything so even if not every single one of those, uh, you know, kind of younger prospect talents pans out, the ones that do have that kind of natural organic connection with the viewership uh, to call back on later on as their careers progress.
0: You know, sometimes I I do wonder if it's like, if it's worked against AEW in that, like they can give this type of spotlight to somebody like a Ben Carter, who'll just like, you know, end up signing with the competition. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I would say like, it doesn't seem like they care that much about that. Or at least like they don't mind it enough to like stop doing things like this. Um, I I think it's just a really refreshing way of like treating unsigned talent that you know to me like shows. Um, I think like just um, a level of like confidence in like them not being afraid to like give value to somebody who might not ultimately sign with them. So um, you know you also mentioned like you don't know if you'll see Top Flight on Dynamite, probably not on a regular basis, but it does seem to indicate that they might be sticking around because after the match. Th two come out to attack top flight ringside, leading to the bucks to chase them away, uh, before encouraging the crowd to give top flight a, 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 a an ovation. So, do you feel like this was building up to th two versus top flight, or was this just a way to build to th two in the bucks?
2: Oh, I think it was, but I was just sort of assuming that would happen on dark. If it happens on dynamite, that's cool too. But I was assuming again because that the, this run, in like I said earlier, was sort of predicted by th2 on dark. I'm assuming it's just kind of something to keep uh, everybody uh, everybody busy on dark for a while. But if they want to do it on dynamite, and if they have confidence in top flight, to you know, to to go in there uh, and and have another you know kind of big TV uh, match, you know, God bless them.
0: We join the inner circle. In Las Vegas, uh, this was, I believe Sean that reported that this was shot sometime on Friday and Saturday. Uh, and we are met, we meet up with the whole group plus MJF and Wardlow, the newest recruits. You know, they're playing, uh, they're gambling at the tables. MJF keeps winning games, including, uh, cheating by stealing Sammy's cards. Uh, the rest of the members besides Jericho hate him. <laughs> Jericho and MJF. Are at the bar. They're competing over who can order the stiffest drink. They escalate from cocktails to moonshine to Jericho, ultimately suggesting shots of Everclear. <laughs> I, I'm not even fam- I'm only familiar with the band. Um, <laughs> was not aware of, of the actual drink.
2: It, it it's essentially glorified white lightning. We're talking about you know just very 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 high proof, uh, grain alcohol that is. Kind of exists, you know, at bars just as a dare, just as you know, shots to dare your friends to drink. So you can actually order this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I think some states. Um, I can't remember Canada. If you can get it, if, if we can get it in Canada right now or not? Um, but I think it might be prohibited in some states due to the high proof. Uh, but no, it's it's a it's a real legit actual beverage. Uh, it, it, but it's again, it's basically just branded you know moonshine or white lightning it's it's you know just pure grain alcohol that's been watered down a little bit
0: hager and wardlow have their own thing going on where they just like even in the photo (laughs) that they sent out like uh teasing this over the week Um, the photo said so much because like it it told you everything you needed to know about the specific characters. You have like, you know, uh, uh, Santana, Jericho and MJF just smiling, looking all happy. You have Sammy and Ortiz looking depressed because they hate MJF. (laughs) And in the same photo, you have uh, Jake Hager and Wardlow staring holes into each other. And that continues here because these two, obviously occupying very much the same role as sort of like the enforcers of the group, um, they have a natural rivalry. And they try to compete with one another here by attacking random men off screen or on screen, dragging them off screen to on screen. Uh, at this point, the entire inner circle is just drunk, stumbling out of a hotel. And Santana and Ortiz say that they're ready for the next spot. And they know just the guy. A cloud of smoke appears, and out comes Conan. <laughs> Conan, with, with the Iranian tobacco, uh, they see a magic dragon, an Elvis impersonator, and a guy who I did not recognize, who I can best describe as an overweight Iggy Pop, uh, joining, their, <laughs> joining their entourage.
2: I uh, thought he was maybe supposed to be like Jericho's version of Gilberg or something like that. Like his, you know, <laughs> his the slobbier version of him, shirtless long hair tattoos. I don't know.
0: Oh. Yeah. These days, I mean Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of these segment?
2: Um, you know, I was I enjoyed it. It was pretty fast moving. The fact that as you're saying there, there was enough of the longer uh, the, the the long-term stories and character arcs were being woven in there, especially the Hagar and, and Wardlow stuff was, I was really jazzed for that. I'm not the biggest fan of, you know, Hagar's in-ring work, but, you know, they have such a, such a hot, hot prospect in Wardlow there. And it's just it, building that sort of anticipation for him busting out as a single star uh, is really great. So the fact that that was happening Alongside the comedy, you know, made this go down a lot smoother than uh, than ever clear might for me. I was also, I mean, I was just thinking about the pot, like what sort of a conversation Conan and Jake Hagar would have, especially after the election. Like, you'd need to keep that limo really, really hot boxed to make sure that everybody was mellow and uh, keep everything copacetic. There,
0: you know, honestly, like, do you listen to uh, keep it keeping it one hundred?
2: Like, I have in the past. I haven't for the past okay. couple of years, so I don't know what his recent uh, comments have been I, regarding.
0: I really haven't been keeping up with, like... Um, I know there's probably plenty of political discussion, but I'm I'm actually not sure um, what that... Could, <laughs> I mean, I would say even within the inner circle, you have to wonder what those dynamics might be. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, people who do keep up with the let, let us know what, what you think that conversation might have sounded <laughs> like. We, we follow up with John Moxley uh, cutting a promo by himself. He says... After 16 years, the world finally makes sense to him. He says a lot of what he has learned up until this point comes from his dad, who was a big, scary man. One day, his dad picked him up from the police station and said, son, we're the good guys. He goes on to talk about having you know, the weight of the world on his shoulders. Everybody's trying to bear down on him. And then he says, just kind of in a, almost a throwaway line, I have a pregnant wife at home. Mm. I know what to do. We're the good guys, and the segment just ends. And Excalibur follows up, uh, says John Moxley kind of buried the lead there, um, dropping a bombshell pregnancy announcement in the middle of this promo.
2: Yeah, I mean that 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 was a real sort of uh, shock and surprise to me. Um, I think, I mean, obviously this is a real life event that obviously is much more important than a pro wrestling storyline or whatever it might be, but throwing that in there. You know, I I think sort of continues to, you know, put Moxley forward as this sort of everyman champion that he's mm-hmm. been sort of uh, positioning himself as. I've been really fascinated uh, over the years, all you know, certainly back into the WWE time and everything, with the way that he has alluded to and talked about his life. His motivations, all of those sorts of things, going back to like the, the, even before he left w w e there was a really excellent uh Jericho podcast that he did where he was just sort of talking about you know sort of what motivates him right buying my you know buying a house for his mom, you know making sure that you know his 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 wife is is happy and taken care of right. This very sort of like stressing this kind of like, I'm not motivated, you know, by, by money or, you know, social media claim or, or whatever uh, it might be. So the fact that, you know, he's able to kind of bring all of that into this storyline, perhaps in opposition to a figure like Omega right now, uh, I, I think is pretty clever. I was also quite shocked to hear him talking about his father, right? Because that's, mm-hmm. you know, if you go back to that, uh, that interview with, uh, with Austin, that went kind of way off the rails, it was because, you know, you got the sense that Austin had kind of touched upon something that he really didn't want to talk about by asking about his father there. And by all accounts, that was legit. So I was really surprised to hear him sort of talk about his experiences with his father in a pro wrestling environment.
0: You mentioned the Steve Austin interview, which, you know, obviously at that point was kind of met with a lot of criticism. Some people even, you know, suggesting the fact that that might've been the thing that might've derailed his, his uh, championship push, but that Moxley seems like such a far cry from the one we hear today. Not just on screen, of course, but also in interviews, where he's like he's consistently a great interview. Anytime we hear him on, you know, podcasts or, or radio shows, uh where he's just like he's not the like the smoothest, you know. Road. Like in fact, like the way he's talked sometimes aggravates me because it's so like <laughs> man, like trying to transcribe it. I imagine what is yeah. difficult but like he seems incredibly genuine whenever he speaks and um of course like when when it's shaped in the form of a promo uh that's when it's at at its best and and you know i have no doubt like this was mentioned here for a reason um not just of course to let the wrestling world audience know but to give his character that added realistic motivation that is you know quite very quite likely now motivating his real life to try to mm-hmm. you know give the best performances possible so Big congrats to uh the other John. Um yes, uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Soon to be a father as well as Rene Paquette. So, uh congratulations to those those two. I feel like there're going to be a lot of pandemic
2: babies this year. It's, it's probably likely. I mean, it it seems like we might have a little mini baby boom right going on right here.
0: Up next we got Orange Cassidy taking on Kip Sabian. Miro's on commentary and uh of course Miro looks to be the opponent that they're building Cassidy up for. Uh the match starts. We have some technical wrestling Kip attempts a drop toe hold, but Cassidy just stays still, gets into his hands and his pockets routine. But Orange Cassidy is distracted by high-fiving Penelope Ford, which allows Sabian to gain the advantage throughout the commercial. Uh, We have Cassidy fighting Sabian on the apron and then delivering a diving DDT for two. Sabian attempts to jump up from the apron to the metal rope, but he loses his footing. But Cassidy quickly takes advantage, and they just kind of move along with the match. So I thought that this was some pretty good, like, you know, spontaneous recovery from these two. Um, sabian nearly catches his draping neckbreaker, but Orange fights out, hooking his mouse trap pinning combination for the victory. What do you think of the match?
2: Um, you know, uh, in a reference that you know, classic Simpsons fans will will hopefully understand. This was perfectly cromulent. It was fine. It was there. uh It. it to be honest, this was kind of the one uh segment on the run sheet that I wasn't super excited about. Um you know we, you and i talked about this a couple of weeks ago the, the the way in which this whole you know Miro Cassidy best friends you know sort of feud got started really left a bad taste in i think a lot of people's mouths i mean i'll say this the uh, the video game controller or arcade machine was only mentioned once as far as i could tell so i'll so i'll take that as a net You're positive
0: slowly moving away from that, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I hope
2: i think we're kind of in a, a bit of a problem here or not necessarily a problem but a crossroads of, of sorts in terms of how Cassidy's matches in ring are going to be presented, you know, in that, yeah, we've got the, the you know, the, the the hands in the pockets and then the kip-ups, you know, happening after that and then moving into, you know, some more kind of, you know, grappling-based stuff. I kind of feel that in a relatively short period of time, you know, kind of Cassidy's greatest hits have really been played out on Dynamite. I remember a long while ago, you and John talking about how they seem to be really holding back on putting Cassidy in ring that often, you know, for the first six or so months of Dynamite, it was like one or two pay-per-view matches, one or two trios matches, you know, with with, with the best friends there. But you really were not seeing a lot of, you know, in-ring work from Cassidy. And obviously, you know, he was getting over with fans. He had everybody dressing up like that and everything. It's tough to say without fans, the degree to which, uh, you know, how popular Cassidy remains. But I do think we are sort of at a point where, the existing Cassidy formula is maybe sort of, you know, kind of running not necessarily running out of steam, but maybe needs a reset or a different direction, or perhaps needs to be positioned against, you know, a, an opponent who is maybe a bit more, I don't know, physically imposing than somebody like Sabian, right? So you get that more sort of styles clash. Oh, geez, how is Brian Cage going to react when Cassidy kicks his ankles or, so, or something like that? I, I don't know. I'm kind of starting to look at my watch a little bit with, with some of the Cassidy stuff lately.
0: I I still get, like, quite a bit of enjoyment from him, and I thought this was a pretty good competitive match between the two, uh, including, like, you know, pretty good recovery midway through with that little slip up. I mean, you you know, you mentioned, like, I I definitely agree that a character like Cassidy works best against the big guy, and that's what they're building here towards with with Miro. So, um, but are you seeing limitations in perhaps the character itself, or is it just the in-ring work that you have issue with?
2: It's not, I mean, the in-ring work itself is good. I I guess the problem is just, I I, I sort of, the the, the traditional, you know, Cassidy match that has happened on the indies and everything like that for many, many years in which it starts off doing the comedy and then switches over to the quote serious work. Uh, You know, I think that that's a sort of match that works really well in indies, in a more traditional territory system, right? Where he'd be in for a short period of time and and then out or something like that. I think at this point, I would rather see when it comes to in-ring work him kind of avoiding uh, or leaving most of the comedy kind of on the apron and then once it's between the ropes it's all business because we know what the comedy spots are going to be at this point and if you do think that you know you have somebody who is more than mid-card comedy in Cassidy and I'm you know I'm open to that right I, I don't think that you know oh just because he's a comedy guy or has traditionally been a comedy guy therefore he is slotted at this level and can't rise above that I'm perfectly fine you know to see uh, him given the opportunity to rise above that but I do think Think that that comes, that that necessitates uh, a, a refreshing or a or a, a, you know uh, an evolution re- an evolution. Thank you. Yes, uh, of of the comedy thing, or in lieu of that, uh, just kind of you know going with a more serious in ring presentation.
0: After the match, Miro leaves the desk and attacks Cassidy, which prompts the best friends to chase him away. So this feud continued. Up next, we've got our contract signing between Kenny Omega and John Moxley. Kenny makes his grand entrance. The cleaner dancers are out with him. Kenny, I thought, looked really sharp in this uh, dress shirt and suit jacket. <laughs> Ultra serious. Moxley's music hits, but he does not show up. Cameras go to the back where something is going on. Moxley has been laid out. He's unconscious with a bloody nose. Doc Sampson says he wants to stabilize Moxley's, Moxley's neck. Camera cuts back to the ring as Tony Schiavone asks Kenny Omega if he has anything to say. Kenny then gives the impression that he thinks this is all a charade. He says he's not one for this psychology stuff. Last time it was Moxley's elbow. This time it was a bloody nose. He says no matter what, on December 2nd, he'll be there. And he just signs the contract. So we are left wondering, who laid John Moxley out?
2: Yeah, I mean, I obviously I think having uh, Omega be revealed as the person there. I mean, you know, it's, it's simple. It's obvious it establishes the heel turn if you want to do that. I think there's the opportunity to kind of keep something uh, and I don't have a, a name at hand but I think there's the opportunity for for someone else be it a Lance Archer or something like that potentially uh, to be getting in the mix there. Um, You know, uh, as I've been saying over the past, you know, couple of weeks and everything, I really like this kind of subtle turning of Kenny. And, you know, again, if you're still questioning, oh, is this guy a heel or not? Look at how many buttons he had unbuttoned on his shirt. Look at the, you know, (laughs) the loafers and no socks. That is not the way a baby face comes down to the ring. Definitely not. (laughs) Uh, You know, he had this sort of, oh, I'm not upset. I'm just disappointed in you, John, uh, sort of vibe when he was talking with Tony there. Um, It also seemed like he after he'd signed his name wrote a whole bunch of extra words on the contract. So I don't know if if there was anything happening there. Um,
0: I thought he just couldn't get ink out of his pen.
2: It looked like that that took a while and then he signed the name, but then there were like three or four lines of of other writing that happened beneath the signature. There could be nothing.
0: Maybe he's Um, got a long real name.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Tyson Meredith, you know, Quincy Smith, the 14th or whatever. Um, way i'd be curious to know how you sort of feel about this um
0: whether or not he's a heel
2: no 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 no. Uh, about the uh, the whole title match on uh on, on dynamite thing right you know we were right. starting off the talk there uh top talk there, talking with andrew about you know raw putting a, a title match on tv mm-hmm. um you know there's been yeah. a lot of talk about that what, what's your position on it
0: i mean i think at this point like AEW has big matches that they can build to like they they're not short of like big marquee matches i mean certain first time matches like ftr versus the bucks i think you say that for a pay-per-view for sure but moxley omega i mean it's a sh- it's not a first time match um you know arguably like it's too you know what is it what is it uh Re- revolution is is a little too far away for them to keep yeah. um i'm perfectly fine with them putting it on tv i think occasionally you have to give people a reason to invest those two hours every single week. It's exactly what I said about raw. It's something that raw has not done enough in the years that, especially since they've gone to three hours, something that to me makes dynamite seem that much more prestigious, that much more important every single week, that much more can't miss every single week mm-hmm. is that they will occasionally give you like very satisfying, big matches on their TV show, whether it be on for a TNT title, or in this case, the world championship. Um, I, lo- I actually re- like it a lot and you know if the feud is good if the match is good enough of course they can always build a rubber match at the pay-per-view again if they wanted to but i i, I love the move
2: yeah no i mean I, I i would agree with all of that i think when you when you give it enough time for uh the kind of the subtleties of the feud and the character work to emerge right you know moxley now not just as this like kind of prize fighting brawler but a sort of reluctant you know, hero and face of the company. You know, standing up for all of us and and everything like that. You know, Kenny becoming increasingly you know more cocky and arrogant. Yeah, if if, if the build to it is fine, I, I totally agree.
0: The the Eddie Kingston thing like like changed my mind about so much because not only did they give that match away the first time, like the fact that that match existed, I mean, led to the second match being existing at all and made the second match arguably that much better, leading to the I Quit stipulation. So, I I just I have no doubt that like. By the time full, what is it, revolution comes around, they'll have something hopefully just as hot, if not even hotter. Mm -hmm. We join the inner circle back in Vegas. Uh, They're still all very drunk, and they've officially inducted Elvis into the group. MJF has something to say. He says he's always considered himself a lone wolf, and now he's finally found his wolf pack. You guys are like my blood brothers. As Sammy suggests that they actually cut themselves to be blood brothers, but the others stop him. Um <laughs> MJF says there's a full moon and they lead he leads everybody in a chorus of howls. We cut fade to black and we fade back up. It's the next morning. Jericho wakes up in bed. He's next to Elvis. Doesn't know what happened. MJF wakes up in a tub as the camera pans revealing Sammy has written words all over his face. Sammy wakes up in a fountain and he's now got three wives. There are farm animals there. And then there's the sound of a baby crying. They open the door and it's swoggle in diapers.
2: So. Womp womp.
0: <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen The Hangover, <laughs> so I don't know how shot for shot like um, accurate this might have been, but that was the idea. What did you think of these segments overall?
2: Uh, it, this one was maybe not as good as the previous one because there wasn't as much uh, pointing towards you know, future matches or the dynamic between uh, Jericho and MJF. But, you know, it was okay. And at least The Hangover is a slightly more contemporary cultural reference than, you know, old Bob Fosse song and dance numbers and choreography and, and everything. Um, so so that was okay. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I, again, as long as this isn't kind of impeding the storyline that they're telling of the possible eventual takeover of uh, what I again, what I'm assuming is the eventual takeover of the Inner Circle on MJF's part and the, you know, expelling of Jericho for a face run there. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was fine.
0: You know, much like uh, Dinner de Bonaire, I, I, I really do appreciate, especially like Jericho and MJF's, like, willingness to go outside of the your typical environment on a pro mm-hmm. wrestling show in order to further their story. Um, and here, like, the point of this, I think, was just to show that the team was accepting right now you know maybe reluctantly in some parts but overall accepting of mjf and wardlow's additions um and let's not forget like all in all this probably was an excuse for them to just take a break to (laughs) go to to go to vegas right i mean you know the week prior you had uh teams like the bucks taking a break um it seems like you know after full gear everybody was somewhat due for a bit of a vacation so i don't doubt that this was maybe even you know a bit of a not a pretty obvious way to at least give uh, some of those guys a week off or at least an episode of TV. Off. Uh,
2: yeah. Without wanting to open a whole can of worms here though. I mean, there is the whole issue of travel and a place like Vegas, you know, oh, in yeah. the current situation, <laughs> which I didn't, you know, whatever I, I don't want to, you know, you know, be the safety police or anything like that, or cause we have no idea what sort of systems or precautions were or were not set up, but there was something just very strange and incongruous about just seeing oh yeah bachelor party boys night out you know high rolling at the table and everything when it's like that is just so far removed from what any of our realities are right now
0: they have a lot of confidence in their testing
2: evidently yeah Yeah.
0: Uh, jericho is actually in attendance as he joins tony and the team and uh jr and excalibur on commentary he says that while they all had a great time together they're more united now than ever and now it's time for them to beat people up. So Jericho tees up next week's match where he teams up with Jake Hager against SCU. So picking that Jericho Hager tag team back up. Up next we've got the Blade taken on Pack in Pack's first match since March 11th. It's been eight months. Blade's forehead is still taped up from the bunkhouse mm-hmm. match last week. Pack comes right out at the bell with a big shotgun drop kick to the corner, controlling Blade right away. He's very pissed off. Pack overall is quite dominant, but Blade repeatedly gets the advantage using distractions from Butcher and the Bunny on the outside. So, I would say Pack clearly uh, being portrayed as a babyface in this match uh, during this new run. After a commercial, we get some near falls with a snap power slam by Blade, a big top rope superplex by Pack. Pack goes up top for the Black Arrow. Bunny attempts to distract on the apron. Pack comes down and lays the Butcher out with a kick. Blade attempts a roll up, but with a tights hooked, but Pack kicks out. Then he proceeds to land a shooting star press to Blade's back and then immediately locks on the Brutalizer for the win in approximately eight minutes. What did you think of the match?
2: I really enjoyed it. You know, the fact that they put it at the top of the middle hour, I think, you know, speaks to. The faith or the confidence that they had that, uh, you know, Pac's return was going to be a big deal. And yeah, it felt like it, you know, when we were talking a couple of weeks ago about, oh, do you, you know, do you put Pac, you know, heel or face or whatever, you know, and you're probably right. Like, you know, naturally when you look at him, yeah, he does sort of, you know, feel like a more natural heel, but, you know, it was so just fun to sort of remember oh right this guy he's great he has this crazy you know like he-man figure physique oh yeah the brutalizer that's a really cool submission move i'd forgotten about that it was just this kind of like nice to sort of get reacquainted uh with with pack sort of uh match and you know i I think somebody like blade you know parks is a good base for that sort of thing right you know he's not there's no danger of you know you know of the crowd getting on side with him if you know pack is being especially like nasty or brutal so you know pack is maintained uh as the face uh in this particular case
0: he's he's a baby face without having to change a single thing about his character (laughs) he's the exact same you know like bastard character um Does not smile, certainly doesn't play to the crowd. But because of, I guess, you know, the actions of the ring and also the actions of the storyline, you by default want to cheer for him. So uh, I like it a lot. And we continue the storyline because after the match, uh, Pack takes the mic. He's about to say something to Eddie Kingston, but Butcher attacks him from behind. Eddie Kingston leaves the commentary table. He takes the mic. He says, you think you're a tough guy? I'm going to put you through the gauntlet. But out comes Ray Phoenix attacking his former stablemates. Phoenix is laying over top of a pack trying to protect him. Uh, but those two are outnumbered and are beaten down again. So out comes Penta L0M who comes out wielding a steel chair. Eddie makes way for Penta to attack Phoenix in order to prove his loyalties. Penta pauses and ultimately gives chase to Kingston and Butcher in the Blade. So now we have Penta and Phoenix. Split from Eddie Kingston, and the Death Triangle has reformed. You know what? Sorry, please go ahead, Bruce.
2: Oh, no, no. It's just, it's an interesting, you know, when we're talking about, you know, Pack is heel, baby face, or whatever it is. Death Triangle is a now a really kind of odd and interesting quantity in the AEW mix, in that you have again one of the most natural babyfaces, you know, in wrestling in Phoenix. Pac seemingly one of the most, you know, easy, you know, heels, and then Penta as a possible, you know, kind of more swing character. There, there are a lot, a lot of stables in AEW right now. It's pretty crazy if you think about it. We've got, let's see, Inner Circle, Dark Order, Team Taz, the Nightmare Family. Death triangle, what is left of Kingston's family, I guess. And that's not even counting the elite. So
0: whew, are, t- are we considering a stable just anything more than two?
2: I I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. Which we get it isn't, isn't so bad.
0: Like, I mean, yeah. we're just ultimately talking about trios, you know, and. I, I I just I love the fact that like they have people branding themselves as like a team rather than just, you know, loose collection of like Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. you know, who like whatever, like whoever on 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 uh, in the WWE. Um Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. Like mm-hmm. I like names. I like I like people with like, you know, matching gear. Um I have to say like considering i think the amount of weeks that they tried to build up to this thing considering the fact that these two were brothers engaged in a bit of a sibling rivalry and all the penta is my best friend stuff i think this turn should have been far better built and this moment should have been way more dramatic Mm -hmm. like i thought all the turns here instead from like phoenix to penta to me just all felt like really obvious and kind of unsatisfying Like, at no point did I ever feel any sort of like emotional struggle on Penta's part to choose between his brother and Kingston. Mm -hmm. Um, And that to me is something that they at least could have built to at least for one week with a bit more, I don't know, better layout. I I, I do certainly think like one of AEW's strengths is that their segments aren't overproduced or overly scripted like WWE's. You know, you look at a segment like this, maybe you look at something like, you know, Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. It's the complete opposite, right? One is like almost like, you know, it feels like it's like a scripted drama where, like, every action, every facial expression is sort of, like, mapped out to a T. This, I would say, kind of has the opposite effect, where I would say it's almost underproduced, where you've kind of rushed through everything. You maybe just, like, have loose bullet points, and you know, perhaps an inexperienced actor, maybe, in like a penta, just kind of, like, goes through them without any sort of, like, real dramatic um, feeling or tension. So... I mean, I, I feel like a little bit of staging and pacing certainly isn't always a bad thing. And I think that's an area where AEW can improve. Certainly, you know, like Cody's great at it. There are guys that are – Jericho's great at it. But, like, I haven't really been seeing that from Penta and Phoenix specifically. Uh, but then again, you know, they haven't really been involved in, in a ton uh, dramatically. So.
2: Well, I mean, they they had Lucha Underground before this, right? And there was a hell of a yeah. lot of sort of, I mean, obviously, you know, recorded and pre-taped and everything like that. And you have opportunity for multiple takes and things like that. But there was a lot of, you know, kind of dangling mysteries and who is the person behind the curtain and where do this person's loyalties lie that, you know, both Phoenix and Penta were very much involved with at that point. So there is, there is some proof of concept there.
0: That is a good point. Yeah. Um, you know, in the end here, we have a trios feud between the the death triangle as well as Eddie Kingston with Butcher and the Blade. So we shall see what the promos will be like between Pack and <laughs> uh, uh Eddie Kingston. In the back, we see Jade Cargill, Nyla Rose, and Vicky Guerrero, uh and Brandy with her arm trapped in a steel chair as Jade Cargill stomps on it. So another stable perhaps uh you know being being built between Jade Cargill, Nyla Rose, Vicky Guerrero, and potentially Shaq. Um uh, <laughs> and, and uh taking on Brandy and perhaps the Nightmare family. So, uh, yeah, that's in the works as well.
2: It was odd to see uh, Nyla and Vicky seemingly on the same page after um, Vicky, you know, exploring. Oh my god,
0: you're totally right. Nyla, I totally...
2: Was, it, was that just last week?
0: I totally forgot about that. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah, what happened there?
2: Yeah, so I don't know. So maybe, I mean, maybe they're scrapping that and they're just adding Cargill to the, to the Vicious fiction, Vixens uh, Possibly, I think I don't know. they're
0: probably just like, Shack. We love Shaq. All right. Yeah. Let's be
2: friends again. Love Papa John's.
0: You hear that DJ said DJ diesel
2: oh boy yeah no i mean i'll say this i mean like i was saying off the top uh, i think that cargill has a really cool look uh and i'd be much more interested in some sort of you know regardless of what her in ring is like uh, a feud between her and brandy that is sort of carried by brandy's promos if they're anything like the promo that she had last week i'd be much more interested in that than than whatever uh Shaq and cody are going to be getting up to but but again i recognize that you know the, the shack is shack is a big name to draw in here
0: NWA Women's title, we have Serena Deeb defending against Thunder Rosa. This is a rematch from a UWN Primetime Live IP-per-view three weeks ago where Deeb ended Rosa's 277-day reign. Uh, somewhere in the in the start of the match, Rosa talks to the camera, taking her eye off of Deeb as Deeb gains control through a commercial break, working over Rosa's left leg. Deeb attempts a GTS, but Rosa lands on her feet, lands a German... Reba, at this point, shows up at ringside, allowing Britt Baker to attack Thunder Rosa on the ramp behind the ref's back. Deeb does not see this, but takes advantage either way. Uh, power bombs an unconscious Rosa, but Rosa kicks out at two. A lot of near-fall comb- combinations with Deeb ultimately applying her submission. Rosa gets out and hits a double stomp. Rosa escapes a serenity lock attempt. Deeb escapes a Samoan drop variation. A, lot, a few more pinning combos that finally result in Deeb landing her Unnamed neutralizer like finisher for the win in about twelve minutes. Did t- did you get a name for this finish?
2: They didn't say it on air, and I was I don't remember if Deeb has used it on if if she has used I've it in previous Dynamite or dark it. matches. I, it might have been
0: the pay per view actually where she used it, but yeah, they haven't mentioned the name on Dynamite yet. So if you know it, let us know. Uh, what did you think of the match?
2: I really like this. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty firmly on record as being a big, big uh, Thunder Rosa fan. And again, while I wasn't familiar with her work until relatively recently, uh, I think Deeb is a really, uh, really great in-ring presence. You know, I feel like this is kind of the, the whole, you know, women's NWA scene is kind of one of the hottest sort of in-ring uh, feuds and mixes that's happening uh, in AEW right now um you know again we were sort of talking off off the top you know with Andrew about uh the reasons why that might be but you know the fact that you had you know Brit and Reba even getting involved here now suggesting that okay they're going to be part potentially of this title chase rather than the the aew women's uh, title scene that's that's interesting i mean i'll, I'll also admit this when uh, when reba did that you know run in there given the way like the outfit that she was wearing and the way her hair looked for a second i thought it was melina also jumping over from the nwa uh, for a second because said, sure why not everybody's you know just bring everybody from the nwa in um but yeah no i think it's you know it, it's um it's a feud, or at least a set of competitors that are really, really delivering uh, in terms of in-ring quality. Um, I think that Rosa, is somebody with a lot of uh, you know pretty broad and immediate appeal, um, yeah, I, I really like this match. I like the fact that it kind of started with you know your sort of Billy Robinson six-second submission move, then move on to something else, then into the striking and whatnot. Yeah, really good stuff here.
0: I've been really impressed with Serena Deeb. You know, I think I think she's been a great champion. Like she puts on. You know, uh, matches of pretty substantial length. And and I think they're always very exciting, very high-paced, very competitive. Uh, She and Thunder Rosa looked great together here. Um, You know, when you definitely compare the two champions, I I definitely feel like you can make an argument that the NWA Women's Championship is of a higher status right now Mm -hmm. than Hikaru Shida's AEW Championship. So... After the match, we have a pissed-off Thunder Thunder Rosa brawling with Britt Baker ringside, leading to a pull-apart and a tease of our next program. So it seems like Thunder Rosa is sticking around a bit, and uh, I think this feud against Britt Baker is going to be great for the both of them.
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, as, as kind of, you know, morbid as this is to say, I think that Brit's injury and, and kind of like that, that photo of her with, you know, the bloodied up face really sort of kind of, yeah, like we established her with a little bit of kind of oomph and credibility. Um, you know, I think setting her up against somebody with Rosa, like an MMA background, like it feels like just a really cool, legit, uh, you know, feud and match to look forward to.
0: Speaking of Hikaru Shido, we go to John Silver and Anna J Jay of The Dark Order in the backup next. Silver is there to talk Jay up essentially as sort of like the mouthpiece for the dark order because Mr. Brody for some reason is still uh not on the show. So Silver talks Jay up uh and says she is no longer a rookie. She is now the Queen Slayer. She's won her last four matches and now she's ranked number 5. He says Mr. Brody has requested a title shot for her next week and she's going to get it. It's a versus Anna J, the somehow the number 5th ranked um didn't did one 1 to 4 have they've already got titles they've already
2: Well she's lost, 99 so she's 99 you know don't nickel and dime the great one uh, as as they say on Letterkenny there.
0: Okay. Well, uh Jayce, Anna J says last time they fought she was a rookie but not anymore. So that's your title match for next
2: week it is kind of odd that Brody hasn't been on and hasn't been seen really anywhere for a few weeks at this point.
0: Yeah. I imagine there must be a a reason that they, they haven't mentioned yet. Uh, Maybe the reason will reveal itself at some point, but um, you know, when you look at the matches, I mean, it's, it's certainly like another seems to be another, like, you know, big win for Hikaru Shida. But like, I have to say like, she keeps getting these victories, but I don't know if she's really any more, over like they just seem like kind of one after the other and to me like a big part of it is just you know ring quality aside we still have very little character story development for Hikaru Shida Um, and I don't you know I just I feel like they they definitely can do better.
2: It's a minor thing, but like something as small as the match that she had last week against Nyla, where she like very cockily pulled Nyla up after the two count, you know, to deliver another knee or whatever it was there. Just having, like, just have, you know, Tony ask her, why did you do that? Why didn't you take the pin? And, you know, just ask her to comment on... You know, a kind of a a, a brash and potentially, you know, cocky in ring decision like that. Just something like that. Just her, you know, talking for 10 seconds about, yeah, no, I just wanted to, you know, make sure Nyla understood that I'm the champion. Whatever. You know, you could go in different directions with it. But something as simple as that could be the jumping off point for some sort of character piece.
0: Next week on Dynamite, we have Wool Hobbs in action. We have SCU versus Jericho and uh, Jake Hager. We have Anna J taking on Hakaroshita for the AEW women's Championship. We also have Pack Phoenix taking on Butcher and the blade we see darby allen as he approaches um uh, the stage for the main event where we cut to a video of darby allen (laughs) sitting on top of a roof of a church holding the tnt title he is now inside the church and his leg is on fire
2: he can't sleep because his leg's on fire
0: (laughs) yes yes um finn done that's that is the end of the piece. So I love this dude. He's like, he's like Jeff Hardy, but may like, maybe like, you know, instead of like sort of the community college art school, he like made, went to maybe like, you know, the, the more expensive art school. So everything's mm. a black and white.
2: Yeah. Um, he's he's a bit more self-aware, I think as to how this, uh, as to how some of this stuff comes across. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Cody and Darby Allen are taking on Brian Cage and Ricky Starks in our main event for the night. Taz starts off the match on commentary. Uh, Cody comes out to the ring wearing a pizzeria shirt. Um, the shirt looks awesome, first of all. But um, Taz or the commentary insinuates that this is somehow meant as a swipe at Shaq and his Papa John's deal. Did you get it? Like, a, I, a, a I good look did, at the shirt.
2: I did. It said. I think it said like, you know, everybody loves pizza. Everybody loves Cody. I think is what it said. <laughs> um, which I tried googling, and it looked like there were some like pizza, like just kind of generic pizza boxes that maybe had like an everybody loves pizza logo or writing on them i did not at all understand the, the, the shack tie-in this is getting pretty this is getting pretty abstract at this point but but you know it, it didn't take up too much time so
0: all sure. i want is cody to come out next week with a set of turntables on stage just like hitting buttons telling the crowd to, to just go wild
2: and we, we, we can, can tie in you know miro and uh and sabian <laughs> in they're playing shack fu you know the Ooh. classic classic genesis video game Yep. yes
0: absolutely uh it's it's limitless, really, <laughs> Darby and Stark start off. They have a bit of a technical exchange that quickly devolves into a slap fight though so these two continue their you know pretty like lengthy rivalry that i I just assume will probably carry on forever mm-hmm. uh Cody and darby i I thought were tagging really well together, you know, tagging in and out, controlling Brian Cage. This prompts Taz to leave the commentary desk to go ringside as we go to commercial break. During commercial, in the picture-in-picture, Taz grabs Cody's ankle, leading to Arn throwing a chair in the ring out of a fit of anger. Paul Turner ejects him from ringside. We get a hot tag to Darby, who goes on a great run, but the two-on-one becomes too much for him as the heels take control. Allen fights back, hits a code red to Cage for a two-count. Starks looks across, looks for the crossroads to hit on Darby Allen, but instead Cody jumps in, hits one of his own on Starks instead. Cage comes in, he cleans house. Double team continues from Team Taz as Cage sets Darby up top and executes an avalanche drill claw for the win in about 11 minutes.
2: Pretty decent overall I thought. You know, it is sort of the the archetypal Okay, you know, kind of mixed, you know, kind of ad hoc tag team match on on one side with with uh, with with Darby and Cody. Although, as you're saying, their, their in-ring chemistry is good, but obviously, you know, as you're saying, it's it's pointing towards uh, the singles feuds that we can imagine are coming out of this. Um, you know, I think it also served to sort of legitimize the 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 story or the narrative that Taz has been pushing over the last while. You know, like, hey, why are we on Dark and not on Dynamite? Okay, now we're on Dynamite. Well, fine, why aren't we ranked? Okay, now we're ranked. Why aren't we getting title matches? And we can sort of anticipate, you know, some of that, certainly a title match with Darby coming up.
0: I really like the tag team match. You know, great tag wrestling for both teams. I think Starks and Cage are awesome together, but I was also really impressed at how good Darby and Cody looked as a team. Mm-hmm. You know, Cody plays a great babyface face in Peril, and Darby takes a great hot tag. So, I mean, I feel like... Have these two tagged before? I forget. I they feel like have, we right?
2: did see it. Yeah, I feel like we did see it with... Um, was it was it with Cage? Or was it with Brody? When Brody and Cody were was happening?
0: Probably something yeah. like that. But yeah. I like the pairing a lot. You know, they have like a big brother, little brother thing going on. And um, they they they've been a great pairing. I thought, you know, ke- uh, the chemistry is very good. So I thought a really good TV tag match mm-hmm. after the bell team Taz continues to beat the baby faces down, but out comes Will Hobbs with a steel chair. And again, um, Hobbs chases the team Taz outside of the ring. And, you know, the, the, the critical fan will see this and will again argue and make fun of Will Hobbs for, perhaps spending a little too much time in catering, not paying attention to the TV. (laughs) He's again a little too late. Never manages to actually lay a hand on the heels. But the reason for that reveals itself right now. As Hobbs grabs the FTW title, Cody drags himself up to lean on him for support. But Will Hobbs, his friendly smile, turns into an evil grin. As he decks Cody with the FTW title, he has accepted Taz's offer as the newest member of Team Taz.
2: Yeah, I, I I like this. I like this. I I was sort of I did get this strange sense of deja vu you know sort of because you know just one hour previous we were watching something similar with a post-match beatdown waiting for the other member of the mix whose loyalties are uncertain at this point in in Penta in that case and you just you know that Hobbs is running down here a little bit late but again the fact that they've been very careful about not having Hobbs actually strike uh, any of the members of Team Taz you know ha- has this make coherent sense uh, I think this you know it certainly elevates Hobbs it keeps him from sort of being just you know cody's plucky young boy or whatever it might be and i think the team Taz needed a third member uh anyway um so yeah
0: you know like will hobbs like we've yet to see him man did we saw him... we saw one match of his on dynamite didn't we man it's hard to keep track of
2: i think he's had at least one enhancement match uh on dynamite there was the um uh, you know weeks ago the, he was the Rumble.
0: Some... Like, the big debut prior to the pay-per-view was supposed to be him, like, you know, um, involved with, teaming with Moxley and, and Darby Allin. So, I would say, like, this was probably ultimately on the cards for him, turning heel, maybe joining Team Taz. But I would say, like, I think his profile was probably expected to be a bit bigger than what it is now. Like, up until this point, he's just like, Will Hobbs is going to be in action soon. Uh, Will Hobbs will probably show up in the end of the (laughs) match and barely get involved, but not really get involved. (laughs) So I don't know how impactful this turn on Cody was, but ultimately, I don't think it really matters because this is ultimately the start for Will Hobbs. Mm -hmm. You know, this heel run as the latest member of Team Taz, um, because he like occupies, I would say, like that same very intimidating, like, you know, enforcer type of role. As Brian Cage, you have to wonder maybe what the chemistry might be like between the three, the two of them, like Ricky Starks and Brian. Like Ricky, Ricky Starks clearly has a role all into himself within the stable. Hobbs and Cage kind of like you know employ that same very physically demanding space. So we shall see what dynamic they create for him.
2: Yeah, I mean you know we've seen you know with uh, with Jericho and Hagar sort of doing their little you know kind of oh yeah we're we're, we're taking a break from singles and moving over to tag stuff. You know a a Cage Hobbs tag you know team it would certainly be a unique quantity it would certainly look a lot different than any other tag team uh that AEW has right now
0: what do you think of the show overall
2: pretty good you know i think you know given that we are still um you know we're still just a week or two af- uh, away from the pay-per-view we don't necessarily have uh, all of the you know the big major matches, with the exception of moxley uh, and Omega you know set up for us, you know the challenge of shows in this sort of period is to keep people interested without pointing too directly to you know this match needs to happen right now or else we 're just sort of spinning our wheels and you know and and something like the uh the last the Las Vegas segments you know kind of illustrate that sort of principle right we are recognizing the larger story that is happening we are seeing the looks between uh Hager and uh, um, and Wardlow we see the dynamic between MJF and Jericho but also we know that that's not going to blow up in our faces and result in a match uh in the next week or two right so 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 a show like this um you know that, that kind of is in a similar position uh I think it ended up do- being do- doing really well uh, I liked pretty much everything uh, in ring with the possible exception uh, of, of the Cassidy match uh so yeah yeah thumbs up from me definitely
0: Thumbs up for me too. I, I quite enjoyed the show. I felt last week was one of the weaker dynamites, but you can kind of understand because I think a lot, a lot of the principal characters were taking breaks after Full Gear. So last week almost felt, you know, very much like, uh, like as our up friends, uh, up next friends would say, like the hangover edition of uh, <laughs> of Full Gear, where you know things felt like they're uh, they weren't necessarily operating at, at like full capacity. This week I felt like you finally had a lot of stories set in motion for the next cycle of things between. You know, um, Moxley and Omega, who laid John Moxley out? Um, you know, Pack returning and retu- reuniting with the Death Triangle. You have uh, uh, Britt Baker and, and uh, uh, Thunder Rosa setting up their, their thing. You have in the main event now, Will Hobbs taking on Cody and Darby Allin as that, that next rivalry. So I think a lot of things were set in motion, and overall, mm-hmm. it was a pretty entertaining show. So let's go to the forum. Will you care to join me for uh, some of this feedback?
2: Certainly, certainly happy to.
0: Out of 10, what did you guys think of AEW Dynamite? 7.82. We start off with Stevie, who says, I never give a 10 rating, but this episode had everything I wanted to see. Conan in the hot box limo was my <laughs> highlight of the night. Will Hobbs turning was not something I expected, but his facials make me believe he will be a much better heel than a big smiling baby face. 10 out of 10.
2: Nice. I mean, Hobbs is, you know, so young. I think we, this, I, I would say that the jury is still out. He could certainly go either way. Uh, and, and I imagine yeah. he'll be tested out either way. Uh, for, for the yeah. Time how be.
0: old is Will Hobbs? Because like John told me, like informed me that the man is actually like a 10 year veteran, but like with very oh, what, sporadic. Really? Yeah. But with like, or at least like some, something like that, but with like pretty sporadic you know, maybe not necessarily. Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: Like, Debuted consistent. in July of tw- 2009, according to Wikipedia.
0: Damn. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I also like took a look at his cage match. It's like, and it's, it's a pretty like inactive 10 years, right. you know, and, until recently. So it, like, I, I think you still consider him a bit of a rookie. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, We go to Noah from Vaughn, who says, Really awesome show tonight. My match of the night was Deeb and Rosa. They absolutely tore the house down with a really great technical match. Loved the opening match as well. The video they played for Top Flight pre-match was a great way of letting us know who these kids were, and they had a great performance tonight. The ending was really fantastic. For weeks, we've been seeing Hobbs save Darby and Cody, and when he picked up the FTW title, I, like everyone else, was thinking he was going to challenge Cage next week, but the sudden turn was done perfectly and really boosts Taz's group. Excellent episode, 9 out of 10. Congrats to Renee and John. What an amazing way to announce the pregnancy.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh we have Maggin up next who says AEW has shown signs of progress with their women's division. Britt Baker entering a feud with Thunder Rosa is a move that'll benefit the both of them. Speaking of which, Rosen's indeed put on a good show for the eight NWA women's title. Pack showed no signs of ring rust. The death triangle reuniting as badass baby faces could lead to some fun with Eddie Kingston's fame. The impending Omega-, Omega Moxley match has a who done it twist. The in ring quality was very high. Will Hobbs heel turn came out of left field. And he'll be a good opponent for Alan to overcome.
2: We go to Jay from Colorado. For some reason or another, they censored the word God, but not damn. Oh, yeah. During John Moxley's promo on my TNT feed, I'm curious if it was the same for everyone. Yeah, it was It was that way on, on, on the TSN feed uh, for me. Uh, also, during the Inner Circle Las Vegas bit, uh, did you notice how after they met up with Conan and smoked some bud, Jake Kagar had a little Jack Swagger in his walk? <laughs> <Very good. laughs> well done.
0: Kenny says, not one of my favorite episodes of Dynamite, but still a totally enjoyable two hours. The woman absolutely killed it tonight and were by far the best part of the show. I'm really happy to see that it seems like Rosa is going to be sticking around. While nothing on the show was really bad, I thought that the inner circle in Vegas was kind of a flop. While it was great to see Piff and Conan on Dynamite Piff
2: is, the, ma- is the dragon guy. I looked him up. He's, he's a, like a stage magician guy whose, whose gimmick is that he's in a drag, Piff the Magic Dragon. Apparently. Ah, He's you. apparently okay. been on America's Got Talent and Penn and Teller and stuff. All
0: right. Well, thank you for that tidbit. <laughs> I was hoping for more than a not funny hangover ripoff. 7 out of (laughs) 10.
2: Fair enough, you know your mileage may vary. Uh, Brian from New Jersey, I went 8 out of 10 this week largely on the strength of the matches. I felt for months now that all the majority of matches on Dynamite are too competitive and even Steven, possibly because the roster all likes each other and are too polite in booking, but more often than not, I don't mind it most weeks, including here where it made sense for a lot of the matches to be competitive. There were a bunch of non-wrestling segments I didn't care for as much, but they didn't take as much time on the show. Not sure the Moxley Omega build needs a mystery attacker angle, but time will tell. Speaking of Moxley, quite the breaking news from him and congrats to him and renee hope mlw was okay with conan's appearance here
0: um i'm sure they're fine
2: <laughs> everybody seems to be playing pretty nice with one another in terms of sharing yeah. talent right now
0: yeah i mean all like things like that i feel like ultimately help uh mlw more than hurt you know like i mean
2: it reminded me that the oh yeah the mlw refreshes tonight i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna watch that this coming weekend yeah mm.
0: We finally we got a Raymond in Sacramento, California, who says that show left me on a natural high. Firstly, I was floored by Hobbs turning heel and joining FTW. All the late run-ins paid off, and shockingly so. I don't think he'll be a heel forever, and think the option is always there to change him back to babyface and focus on his real life story. What I want to talk about is the women's match. Serena, Deeb, and Thunder Rosa had a great match. You could say that it was an in-ring clinic. Hard-hitting, technical, multiple quick-pin attempts. Really creative stuff. Even with the interference, it didn't hurt the outcome of the match and leads to another story and angle for Brit and Thunder Rosa. Going back to Deeb and Thunder, I'm going to check out the weekly NWA pay-per-view where the title originally changed hands and was won by Serena. Serena has been a great signing, and the deal with NWA to have Thunder Rosa has been a major plus. Congrats, Renee John. And John, the extended absence makes sense now. Thank you, everybody, for your feedback. And uh, yeah, a lot of good feedback to tonight's edition of Dynamite. A lot of great discussion. I thought you and I engaged in uh, Bruce uh, as well as uh, Andrew joining us for the first time in uh, sort of like a new format we're going to be playing around with while John is away. Um, Thank you, Bruce. I I look forward to doing again with you uh, next week.
2: Oh, absolutely! Very much looking forward to it here. Uh, yeah, so I mean, maybe I was being a little bit pessimistic off the top. <laughs>
0: hey, come on! Like you're supposed to feel, however, you're supposed to feel. I mean, I have <laughs> to say, like, um, feedback to Dynamite is usually like overwhelmingly positive on our on our forums. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like, I I often disagree, like, at how positive it, um, our our board might be for it, but. Um, this week was one where, or I did agree. So, but if you felt differently, like, please, like that's, that's not a oh
2: user. no 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 i just meant pessimistic about my own uh, just showing up here but no the actual no the actual oh. show itself the actual show itself i think was, was oh brilliant.
0: you're was really funny. silly to be pessimistic
2: oh I'm just, I'm, I'm just being self you know typical canadian self-deprecation i suppose but
0: so last time i asked you this you said you had nothing uh, whatsoever to promote other than your, your podcast um but would you would you care to promote anything else right now maybe the podcast again for people for where people can listen to you
2: yeah, I, I don't want to go through the whole rigmarole uh, there again. Um, my friend, uh, Alex, uh, and myself have been running a website and podcast dealing with, uh, goth music. Uh, industrial music and darkwave music uh, for many many years now. That website is idieudie.com and the podcast is called We Have a Technical uh, available through all the usual podcast outlets. Uh, we I did we did actually get a, a few people uh, getting in touch with us uh, f- you know after uh, after my appearance a couple of weeks ago, a few people who sort of. Actually, you know, we sort of have, have a bunch of mutual friends in common and kind of run in some of the same circles. So it was nice uh, to sort of uh, meet some new people and maybe sort of uh, bring some other folks uh, into our fold there. Uh, apart from that, you can give me a follow if you want um, on Twitter uh, at Contrasoma, that's C-O-N-T-R-A-S-O-M-A, if the idea of really lukewarm New Japan and Toronto Blue Jays takes uh, are of interest to you. And I'm also under the same username on Grapple. If you're interested in seeing me rate. <laughs> Every single dark match. Uh,
0: Luke Horn, Blue Jays takes and New Japan. Those are like my two favorite things. So (laughs) absolutely. You have a new follower here. Uh, So thank you very much, Bruce. Uh, We have up next right now on the website. For those of you who want to know what's up with NXT this week, they just announced War Games for December the 6th. So if you're curious about like, you know, whether or not like NXT would go head to head with AEW, with anything for that December the 2nd show. The fact that War Games is that weekend to me suggests that they probably don't have anything like that major set mm. for December second, but we shall see. Uh, so up next is there again. I will be joined by Andrew Thompson, where I'll be destroying Andrew Thompson. I'll be destroying John <laughs> Cena. I'll be destroying Brayden and Davey tomorrow on the Up Next Survivor Series Fantasy Draft. That'll take place at I believe seven fifteen or seven around seven seven fifteen p.m. at YouTube.com/slash Up Next. Be back on Sunday for patrons on the Post Wrestling Cafe with John Cena. After uh, uh, thoroughly uh, destroying him, of course, on uh, Rewind SmackDown. This weekend, we've got the Rocky Maivia Picture Show out. We've got Phil Talk and Eric Marcotte for our UFC 255 post show. And you can join our Discord to watch the show along with those two throughout the evening. And then on Sunday, me, Mike Murray, WH, Survivor Series post show. Uh, live for Double Double Plus patrons. So, uh, hope you enjoy all of that. And, um, you know, <laughs> congratulations to Renee john moxley and john pollock and the pollocks of course for bringing all the life into the world so a very very happy day in the world of post wrestling so thank you bruce for joining me and thank you everybody for listening i'll be back on friday